On June 17, 2015, a 21-year-old white supremacist named Dylan Roof walked into a Bible study class at a church in Charleston, South Carolina. There he shot and he killed nine innocent people, all African Americans, in a sick and demented attempt to start a race war. That's what he wanted. Many of you remember the tragedy, I'm sure, it was all over the news when it happened. As far as I know, Dylan Roof has expressed no remorse for what he did on that June night eight years ago. From all external indications, he remains a bitter man, a hate-filled man, as he sits in a maximum security prison in Indiana, awaiting his execution. Now, what's really amazing is this. In stark contrast to Roof's hatred and bitterness, was the love and forgiveness that some of the relatives of the victims expressed afterward. In fact, just a few days after the murders, family members had the opportunity to speak directly to Roof and tell him whatever they wanted to tell him. Here are some of the things that were said on that occasion. These are amazing. Nadine Collier, the daughter of one of the victims, said, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me I will never get to talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me, you hurt a lot of people. If God forgives you, I forgive you. The sister of another victim said, that was my sister. And I'd like to thank you on behalf of my family for not allowing hate to win. For me, I'm a work in progress. And I acknowledge that I'm very angry. The one thing that my sister always enjoined in our family is she taught me that we are the family that love built. We have no room for hating, so we have to forgive. I pray God on your soul. The granddaughter of one of those killed said, although my grandfather and the other victims died at the hands of hate, this is proof. Everyone's plea for your soul is proof that they lived in love and their legacies will live in love, so hate won't win. Finally, the relative of another victim, when asked about the message that she would want Dylan Roof to hear, said, I would just like him to know that, to say the same thing that was just said, I forgive him and my family forgives him. But we would like him to take this opportunity to repent Repent, confess, give your life to the one who matters most, Christ, so that he can change you and change your ways, so no matter what happens to you, you'll be okay. Amazing words, my brothers and sisters. I'm not sure what passage of scripture they were studying at that South Carolina church right before this tragedy occurred, but it would, be, it would have been fitting if it had been the text we just heard in our gospel reading this morning, especially the part where Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father, for he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. This, of course, is one of the most difficult commandments of Jesus to obey in the concrete circumstances of our daily lives. And we all know that by experience. It's difficult for us because 
We all share a human nature that's tainted by original sin. Consequently, our first instinct as human beings is to hate and curse our enemies, not to love them. But loving them is certainly possible, as the four people I just mentioned made clear to Dylan Roof by the things they said to him just a few days after he murdered their loved ones. But it was hard, very hard. One of them made that fact crystal clear when she said she was very angry and that she was a work in progress with respect to forgiveness. I say God bless that woman for her honesty. But the important thing to note is she was moving in the right direction by making the effort, that is to say the choice, the decision to deal with her anger and love this man, this man who had so brutally killed her sister. Here I think we get a few important insights about what it means and what it does not mean to love your enemies. First of all, to love your enemies is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's not an emotion. Liking is an emotion. We all have certain people whom we like more than others. There's nothing wrong with that. That's normal human behavior. Loving is different. Loving in the sense that Jesus uses the term here means, in the words of scripture scholar William Barclay, unconquerable benevolence, invincible goodwill. In his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, Barclay says this, it says, if we regard a person with agape, that's the Greek word for love that's used in this passage of scripture, if we regard a person with agape, it means that no matter what that person does to us, no matter how he treats us, no matter if he insults us or injures us or grieves us, we will never allow any bitterness against him to invade our hearts. But we'll regard him with that unconquerable benevolence which will seek nothing but his highest good. That's a key insight, my brothers and sisters, because it reminds us that it's possible to have unconquerable benevolence and invincible goodwill towards everybody, even toward people we dislike. Make no mistake about it, the four people whom I quoted a few moments ago in my homily do not like Dylan Roof. They don't like what he stands for. They probably have had very few, if any, good feelings about him or toward him in the last eight years. By the grace of God, They've made the decision. They've made the decision to desire what's best for him, his highest good, as Barclay would say. That's especially evident in the comment of that last woman who said, I forgive Dylan Roof and my family forgives him, but we would like him to take this opportunity to repent. Repent. Confess. Give your life to the one who matters most, Christ so that he can change you and change your ways. So no matter what happens to you, you'll be okay. To desire that the person who murdered your loved one, someone near and dear to you, to desire that such a person repent and go to heaven someday, that's love. That's Christian love, that's agape love. And that's the kind of love Jesus is talking about in this text does not mean, please hear this, it does not mean you pretend that the evil your enemy did never happened. 
does not mean that you have to be best buddies with him or her from now on. It doesn't mean you have to dispense with justice and punishment, not at all. Believe it or not, sometimes agape love requires those things. As Barclay put it, if we regard a person with invincible goodwill, it will often mean that we must punish him, that we must restrain him, that we must discipline him, that we must protect him against himself. Of course, it will be remedial punishment, not vengeful punishment, but it will be punishment nonetheless. Archbishop Fulton Sheen once said, the real test of the Christian is not how much he loves his friends, but how much he loves his enemies. Since that is the case, I think it's safe to say that the four grieving relatives I quoted a few moments ago in this homily were, at the time they made their statements to Dylan Roof, passing the test. They were passing the test with flying colors. In the midst of a situation in which it would have been very easy for them to hate their enemy, they chose to love him with agape love. By the grace of God that we receive at this Mass, may we make the choice to follow their example of agape love in our own lives.